part of their story. And I think we're going to be able to glean something from the story about advancing. So we're going to go to Exodus 33, and we're going to do verses 12 through 23. Okay? One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If that is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember, God, that this nation is your very own people. So the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably upon me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably upon you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy on anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. So if you take a quick look at the background of the scene, the Israelites had been out of Egypt for about three months, seen a lot of miracles happen, right? Just to even get them out of there. About three months prior to this conversation, they had done the whole thing at the Red Sea. Remember Pastor Sola preached about that a couple weeks ago? Miracles, right? Amazing. Unbelievable. Two months since the scene, they'd come and really set up camp in the wilderness of Sinai, and they were at the base of Mount Sinai at this point. And Moses had been up and down the mountain talking with God. God gave him promises, commands. Moses comes down, the people say, yay, yes, God, will do it. Goes back up, talks to God, talks to the people. It's all going on, okay? And so this last time Moses is up on the mountain talking with God, he'd been up there for 40 days. And the Israelites couldn't wait another moment. They'd been out of, uh, waiting to get out of Egypt for 400 years. They couldn't wait 40 days for Moses to come back down. So they had Moses' brother Aaron build them a calf so they could worship. God saw what they'd done. He's up talking to Moses. He sees it. Super angry. Moses talks him off the ledge. Remember your oath, God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> Moses goes down the mountain. He gets really angry. Throws down the Ten Commandments. Takes some disciplinary action with the Israelites. Cleanses out all the sin, the repenting. It's all good. And where we just came to right now, there's like a pause. There's like a waiting period. And the people have truly felt God's displeasure with their actions. They saw for real their disobedience. God told them at this point, he said, I'll send an angel with you to lead you to get into the promised land, drive out your enemies, but I won't go with you. The people's hearts were so repentant. They really, really realized what they had done. God told them, take off your jewelry, take off your fine clothes while I decide what to do. <laughs> Whew, right? Sounds like a righteous mama right there, huh? You just go sit over there while I decide what I'm going to do. 
okay? <laughs> yeah. And in that day, the Egyptians and the culture, even that around that time, taking off all your fancy stuff was an outward sign that you were truly repentant or truly mourning on the inside, okay? Sometimes we need to distance ourselves from some other stuff and really become repentant before God. And so at the same time, Moses continued his practice where he would take the tent of meeting, set it outside the camp, Okay, and he would talk to God. And it says that God would come down and talk to Moses as one friend talks to another. And God's presence would come, and it, the way it was manifested at that time, in a pillar of cloud, and it would come and meet outside the tent, and Moses and God would talk. And the Israelites were back in the camp, right? And they would come and peek outside their tent flaps, and they would look and watch, and they'd see Moses going to the tent, and they would watch for that pillar of cloud, God's presence to come down. And Moses, and they could see that there was communion happening, and they would be, oh, and they would begin to bow. You know, it's like that child that's watching from the background. You know, what are mom and dad talking about here? What are grandma and grandpa talking about? It's going to be okay. And they're like, God's here. It's at least Moses can talk to him, okay? We're not completely dead yet. And so as we read, we just read this, Moses asked God, you know, you told me, God, take these people, but you didn't tell me who's going with me. And Moses kept reminding God, you know, you said, you said, God, you know me by name. You know, you look favor favorably upon me. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Sola talked about that, the favor of God? Moses had it. And so Moses said, well, God, if you still, if you do that, let me know your ways so I can understand you more fully. So here's Moses, right, who knew God. He had conversation with God, like one friend talks to another friend. He had been on the mountaintop several times. He already knew he had the favor of God. He knew that God knew his name, but he wanted to know God more fully and more deeply. He wasn't asking for anything else. He wasn't even asking, God, make sure we get to the promised land. Uh, God, make sure you do this for us. He wanted to know God's presence is all he asked. That's it. Okay? And he began to worship. He wanted to know God so much more. And so he didn't even want to go forward. He didn't even want to go to the promised land. Can you imagine the wilderness with, or the promised land? But he said, no, I won't go forward without you, God. And so God told Moses, okay, I'll do what you've asked. I'll go with you. Great, right? Moses takes it a step further. Isn't he great? Moses is really brave. <laughs> but he was God's friend. And he said, okay, God, then show me your glorious presence. But here's the thing that I began to, like, ponder this in my mind. I'm like, Moses had already experienced God's presence many times. He had felt it. He had, and in fact, if you look in the Bible so far, he was the one that had experienced God's presence the most since Adam. Do you remember Adam and God would talk face to face? He was the one who experienced God's presence the most since then. He had it all, but he was thinking something deeper than he had before. He wanted what he had known of God made him want more. You know, it's kind of like sugar. The more you have it, the more you want more. Uh, or let's think of something healthy, I guess. That's not a good example. Uh, you know, collie rice. I don't know. It like seems to be the hottest thing. You go to Walmart the other day. I had to stand there and wait for this thing. Let's grow in the hat. I'm like, will you get out? She's getting all the collie rice. You know, it's the thing. You know, you have it. You want more. Not yet, but I'm working on him. <laughs> but it, Moses had so much of God that he had, he, he, wanted, he wanted more. And it wasn't some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of Facebook anniversary photo that they do for you. Like, you know, Moses, you've been friends with God for 40 years. Let's take a look back. Oh, look, here's me and God at the Red Sea. Uh, yeah, here we are at the burning bush. Oh, here I'm killing an Egyptian. Oh, let's go back to me as a baby in the basket. It was not that kind of relationship where you just click there and say, hey, looky, we're friends. Look at all the things we did. What we need to have with God and what he wants to have with us is something that goes deeper below the surface. 
It's not small talk. It's not the one-liner conversation that social media has begun to craft our conversations into. It's not a Twitter thing where you got like 60 characters and you're done. God's like, oh, too many. It's not tossing God a little, you know, praying hands emoji or a, a hugging or a smiley face. God wants to know real relationship with him. And I think that we have to really strive hard to pursue an actual relationship with people and God. It entails time. Giving God time to talk to us and we listen. Time for us to talk to God. Tell him our troubles. Asking his advice. That's what Moses did. And hey, if you guys have a thousand people following you, complaining all the time, take it to God. Maybe you just had three or four complaining to you on the way here to church in the car. Or maybe you'll have a dozen around the conference table or the water cooler tomorrow. Or you've got something that concerns you about the world. What do you think Moses and God were talking about in the tent? Kick into the breeze. They were probably talking about the Israelites and the state of the world, you know. Talk to God about your problems, things that concern you. And if we're in a relationship with someone that we really believe in, or if there's something in life that we really believe will make a change, we will spend time with that person. We will spend time making that grocery list, hunting down the collie rice, okay? And if we want to know something deeper with God, we will spend time, not just time, but time, that nobody knows, that we're not going to get a great post out of it. It's time with God. And remember, the good thing about God is he's so quick to show us the benefits of being in his presence. When, God, when Moses asked God, he said, I want to see your glorious presence. What comes to mind when you think of glorious? Power and might and majesty. Apparently more than, you know, seeing the Red Sea part or seeing your staff turn into a snake and then back again. He wanted to see something more than that. Glorious. Can you see where he's getting at? He wants more. And what God said to Moses was, okay, yes, I will do this for you. I will show you my goodness and I will call out my own name. Moses asked for glory. God replied with goodness. And that's what he did. The next day, after Moses chiseled out two new tablets, which, by the way, interesting to note, is the first set of tablets God crafted them himself and wrote on them. The second set, Moses had to craft them out, and then God wrote. Side note, you can look it up later. But he went up the mountain, right? God said, meet me, meet me tomorrow, bring those tablets, meet me at the mountain. So he did. God appeared to Moses, and God called out his name, Yahweh. Yahweh is used whenever the Bible stresses God's personal relationship with his people and the ethical nature of his character. The name Yahweh is used to show the personal nature of God and how he relates to humans. That he is their source of everything. The names of God, which I love how Pastor Chris brought those up this morning. There's so many names of God and they all express the essence of who he is. Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. Jehovah Shalom, he's our peace. Jehovah Rapha, he's our healer. And in Exodus, there has been two times to this point where God first expressed his character by stating his name, Yahweh. And it was both times were to Moses, one at the burning bush and one right now. And God said, I will call out my name. I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, we know it's God. Well, he's going to call it out and we're going to see why. And this is the second time he did it. You know when you call out a name? If you call out, I'm going to tell mom versus I'm going to tell grandma. 
little bit of difference, right? Or is it just me watching my kids? <laughs> yeah, there's a difference when you call out somebody's name. And doesn't it make you pause to think that there's a reason behind the fact that there's a commandment that says don't take the Lord's name in vain? There's power in the name of God. And when we call it his name in vain, it devalues who he is. It says he's worthless. It attacks his honor and his glory. That's why we don't do that. So God and Moses are up on the mountain. Can you picture it? They're on the mountaintop. Not even cattle were allowed to be down at the bottom. God said, nobody, nothing close by. Just God and Moses. And God calls out his name. And he, while he passes right in front of Moses, he starts calling out the essence of his character. Now remember, the Israelites had just gotten into a heap of trouble, right? So much so that God wasn't going to go with them. But God began to call out. He said, I'm slow to anger, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. I'm lavish, unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. That's exactly what Moses wanted to know about God. That's who God is for them at that time. He's that way for us. Now, when does it happen that we tend to cry out for the glory of God? Think about it. <clears throat> Usually it's when there's trouble. We see failings and weaknesses, and those things tend to glare in our faces and try to keep us from advancing in God. Maybe we have these self-perceived um, inadequacies or fear about ourselves, and they join together and keep us from advancing. Or maybe we're feeling alone or we're feeling like we're distant from God, or we're in sickness or financial straits, and we say, God, show me your mercy or your glory. Show me your power. Get your majesty out here over this ugly mess. Isn't that when we tend to call on God's glory? And God turns around and shows us his great love for us. Our heart is free. Our shame is undone. He begins to show us how he's healed us before, and he will do it again. He showed us his tender mercies, the times he raised us up before, the way he's provided for our needs. His glory is revealed to us in his goodness. We see the manifestation of the presence of God today still in the how God has been good to you. And the ways he's been good to us are made available through who? Jesus, the work he did on the cross. All those good things of God are out there. They're all provided for us, but we only have access to them because of Jesus' work on the cross. When their sin came into the world, it put a gap between us and God. And Jesus died on the cross, and he bridged that gap for us. Do you remember Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. So take that all into account. Here's God revealing his goodness, calling out his name. And do you notice where God and Moses were standing when God revealed himself to Moses? God said to Moses, stand by me. Isn't that cool? It's like a friend. Stand by me on the rock. And when I pass by, I will put you into the crevice of the rock. Moses is the first one in the Bible to use the word rock to speak in a figurative sense about God. And as we know in the New Testament, Jesus is the rock. He's the rock of my salvation. He's my strong tower. He's the chief cornerstone that the church is built upon. He's my refuge. He's my strength. He's the rock that is higher than I am. He is our rock. He is our vantage point. We see all the good things of God. We see his essence, 
his character by standing on the rock of Jesus. We cannot stand on the thing the world offers. We cannot stand on our emotions. We cannot stand on anything physical and be able to expect to see the glory and the goodness of God. We can't stand on the circumstances. We cannot stand on the, what the Tao says or the doctor says. We cannot stand on quicksand and be able to see the true nature of God and what he can actually do. We hear people say, wow, they're my rock, right? You don't hear people say, yeah, they're my quicksand. <laughs> if you do, you better run. But how many times do we go to the quicksand expecting to still advance and see the goodness of God in our relationship, in our dreams, in our health, our prosperity. No, we stand on the rock. What does Jesus say about your circumstance? What does Jesus, the living word of God, say about that thing you need from him? If we want to advance in God, in our relationships, in our goals, it's not a fleeting, quick, do-it-yourself kind of a solution. You don't even have to mix and pour the cement yourself. Jesus already did that for you. And you know, if you think about it, Moses was kind of between a rock and a hard place, wasn't he? <laughs> so to speak. And he really was, though, actually. He was right in the position to experience the glorious goodness of the Lord. He was right there. And God can put you in the crevice of that rock. He can put you on the rock that is Jesus. You know, we find ourselves oftentimes tired and spent like we are actually spent. Not just tired because it's been a week, but we are tired. And I have to tell you, this is a good praise report for a second. I had a couple weeks ago, I was in the city kids' room. I fluctuate between preschool and elementary, and I had just, I was tired. I was emotionally tired, spiritually, physically, all of it. And you don't ever ask God for a sign, because that's just not what we do. It's not respectful. God doesn't owe us a sign of his presence, right? But I was crying out a, a sincere cry to God, like, I want to know and I want to see your presence. It'd be so cool, God, if some kids got saved today, or we heard your audible voice. <laughs> and you know what? We went through the morning salvation message, a yada yada, and I was almost done with the morning. I'm like, oh, I didn't do an altar call. Well, at this point, all the kids are in their small groups, and you know, it's a little bit higher commotion. And I stood on a chair, and I said, whoa, wait a second. Altar call, two people got saved. Yeah. Right? God is good. God is good. But that whole month of February, we had two more that got saved. And these people are bringing their friends. And then I heard one little kid go, because I was asking to look me in the eye if they want to ask Jesus in your heart. I heard him say, look at her, look at her. And he was encouraging his little friend to get saved. And he did. But God is good. But when, sometimes, you know, we reach that point and we're just so exhausted every which way you look at it. And um, maybe we feel like we're not growing in God or we're just not hearing him or... This, the goals and dreams we thought we were going to go for just aren't happening. Relationships, job, whatever it is. And it's not that we need to tune ourselves out from everything, you know. It's good to rest and take care of yourself, right? But we can never lay aside the Bible when we rest. Um, sleeping instead of, I'll make church next time. We can't do that. We can't binge flicks instead of going to group, small group, you know. 
<laughs> and I'm talking to me. I, you know what I mean? You know, we all got to drive to church. I got to get out of bed. I fight it every weekend. You know, the, the devil comes and wants to fight you to come from, to keep from coming to church. Fight that. The Bible says, take the kingdom of God by force for a reason. <laughs> you got to force it. <laughs> but when we're tired, we cannot lay aside the rock of Jesus. We cannot say, we can't lay aside the Bible. We can't lay aside coming to church. When we're resting and rejuvenating, it has to be on the rock. It has to be. And you know, God is so good because his creation kind of reflects who he is. You know, he made everything with a purpose. And I know this is maybe a, a little like silly thing, but you look at an animal like a seal, when they rest, they go on a rock, right? They don't go out and swim in the ocean and float. They don't go lay on the sand. You know how hard it'd be to get a seal out of the sand? They go and they flop and they work really hard and they get on the rock and they flop on that rock and that's where they will rest for days. But they are on the rock. Are we wanting the presence of God so much that we won't take a step without him? Moses said to God, your presence sets us apart from all everybody else on the earth. The people and the enemies that the Israelites would encounter on their wilderness trek knew the Israelites by their God. Before the Israelites could even get to the next place, the people already had heard about them because they'd heard about Yahweh. They'd heard about God, that he was powerful. God, he was not to be messed with. So we need to let our problems know you're not to be, you let your problem know you're not to be messed with. Let our culture know that our God is a good God. He loves us. Your culture has heard about you because they've heard about your God already. Let that fear or inadequacies know, inadequacies know that you have the power of God. Let that spirit of sickness know that your God is a healer and he always wins. Call out Jehovah Jireh. Call out the name of God which you need. Call out Jehovah Rapha. Begin to call that name out and expect God to meet you where you are. Moses asked for it. The only thing was the glorious presence of God. He hungered for more. And that's our prayer. God, make us hungry for more of you. We're not content with what we know already. You know, we can never feel like we've arrived. We want to always know more. Know it deep. We want God's presence to fill the atmosphere. Everybody talks about atmosphere these days, don't they? Oh, the atmosphere is so great in that place. Oh, wow, it was amazing. And how do you know there's even an atmosphere? Or how do you create an atmosphere? There are things that appeal to our physical senses, right? We hear, we see, we smell things. And when you come into church, do you sense an atmosphere? Did you sense it during worship? You sense an atmosphere when you're worshiping in the car or at home on your own. That atmosphere that you feel, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the very presence of God setting your heart free, taking away your shame, giving you joy and peace. Don't fight it. Take it. Our prayer, God, is make us more aware of you. Make us hungry for more. And he will. He is so good. And like God was with Moses, he knows your name. Moses wasn't some big, holier-than-thou kind of guy that you only see in the movies, you know, it's remade every year. He's not some superhuman, half-angel, half-human. He was a human guy, and he messed up a lot. But he decided that while everybody was doing their thing, he was going to spend time in the presence of God. 
That was all he wanted. He didn't care if he went down in history as a good leader or bad. What was the last thing somebody read about me when I messed up and came back to God or some big mighty thing? He wasn't concerned about that. He wanted the presence of God. And that is the only way we're going to advance in the Lord this year. That's the only way we're going to advance in what he's called us to do. Oh, remember, it sets us apart. You're like, well, nobody else does that. That's right. Because you're set apart. You are different in a good way because you're the child of God. You have direct access to the Lord. You don't have to be like the Israelites in the tent, peeking out. Oh, is God talking to Pastor Solo this week? Oh, there it is. Okay, we're good for another day. You know, you can be like Moses and go right to God and talk to him like one friend talks to another friend. And I dare say that our culture does not help the whole essence of friend talking to friend anymore. It's a quick, 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 quick. And God wants more than that. He doesn't care what you get from this thing that you can post it. He wants to know what you got in here in your heart. And he loves to be with you. He wants to spend time with you. Don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that you've done this or that. that you don't even bother. You tell the enemy to hush it up. And you go get with God and spend time with him. Receive his presence today. Receive it. Don't fight it and think, oh, I'm later. Or I'm not worth it. You are so worth it. His love, his goodness, his power, his healing, his forgiveness, his whatever it is that you need, take it today. God wants to take us to a new level. Whether you're the Israelites standing at the door to your tent, or you're Moses and you've been through an experience with God, he wants to take you higher and higher and higher. And there's always room for more of that. There's always room. And just a moment, we're going to sing together a song that really, really captures this essence. And when we're done singing it, we're going to take a moment and continue what happened earlier. We're going to cry out to God and just speak to him what you want from him. You know, God is so good. If you want to be hungry for him, you can actually ask him and he'll make you hungry for him. If you want to be close to him, you don't have to be perfect like you're going on a date and you're all looking good. You just go to God like you are and he will take you. He's been waiting. We're going to take time to worship him for a moment. And then we're going to take communion together. It's going to be powerful. And we're going to walk out of here today able to advance into what God called us to do and who he called us to be. Are you ready for that? <laughs>